What is the political spectrum? Where are you on the political spectrum? What are your political beliefs? What are politics? So politics is defined in Merriam-Webster as the art or science of government, the art or science concerned with guiding or influencing governmental policy, or the art or science concerned with winning and holding control over government. From Wikipedia, politics, from Greek, affairs of the city, is a set of activities that are associated with making decisions in groups or other forms of power relations among individuals such as the distribution of resources. The branch of social science that studies politics and government is referred to as political science. We will be using this definition when we refer to politics. The word politics came from the word polis for Greek city-state. So let's look at the question at hand. What is the political spectrum? This is from Wikipedia. A political spectrum is a system to characterize and classify different political positions in relation to one another. These positions sit upon one or more geometric axes that represent independent political dimensions. The expressions political compass and political map are used to refer to the political spectrum as well especially to popular two-dimensional models of it. Most long-standing spectra include the left-right dimension as a measure of social, political, and economic hierarchy, which originally referred to seating arrangements in the French Parliament after the Revolution, with radicals on the left and aristocrats on the right. While communism and socialism are usually regarded internationally as being on the left, conservatism and reactionism are generally regarded as being on the right. Liberalism can mean different things in different contexts, being sometimes on the left, social liberalism, and other times on the right, conservative liberalism or classical liberalism. Those with an intermediate outlook are sometimes classified as centrists. Politics that reject the conventional left-right spectrum is often known as syncretic politics. This form of politics has been criticized as tending to mischaracterize positions that have a logical location on a two-axis spectrum because they seem randomly brought together on a one-axis left-right spectrum. Political scientists have frequently noted that a left-right axis is too simplistic and insufficient for describing the existing variation in political beliefs and include other axes to compensate for this problem. Although the descriptive words at polar opposites may vary, the axis of popular biaxial spectra are usually split between economic issues on the left-right dimension and socio-cultural issues on an authority-liberty dimension. Simultaneously, many have criticized the multi-axis spectrums on the basis that those on the political left and right have differing philosophical conceptions regarding what constitutes liberty or authoritarianism, rendering the second axis meaningless. Phew. <laughs> All right. Well, so we got to get into a few more definitions before we get into the political spectrum. First of all, if you're going to understand what a spectrum is, you have to know what an antonym is. And the definition of antonym is a word of opposite meaning. So the first chart we're going to look at and if you haven't taken poli-sci, if you have taken poli-sci, you probably know all of this. So I'm going to go through it very quickly. The first chart 
uh, we have to know is a two-dimensional chart known as the Nolan chart. The Nolan chart is a political spectrum diagram created by American libertarian activist David Nolan in 1969, charting political views along two axes, representing economic freedom and personal freedom. It expands political view analysis beyond the traditional one-dimensional left-right, progressive-conservative divide, positioning libertarianism outside the traditional spectrum. So the Nolan chart is a diamond shape or a square on its side with libertarian on the top, authoritarian on the bottom, liberal on the left, and conservative on the right with centrist square in the middle with the two axes, personal and economic, listed on the left and right. So the next chart we need to look at is the Purnell chart developed by Jerry Purnell in his 1963 political science PhD dissertation is a two-dimensional coordinate system which can be used to distinguish political ideologies. It is similar to the political compass and the Nolan chart in that it is a two-dimensional chart, but the axes of the Purnell chart are different from those of other systems. The two axes are as follows. The x-axis, attitude toward the state, labeled statism, refers to the political philosophy attitude toward the state and centralized government. The farthest right is state worship, and the farthest left represents the state as the ultimate evil, preferring individual freedom. The y-axis, attitude towards planned social progress, labeled rationalism, refers to the extent in which a political philosophy is compatible with the idea that social problems can be solved by the use of reason. The top indicates complete confidence in planned social progress, and the bottom represents skepticism of such methods, often considering them as naively utopian. Those at the top of the axis would tend to discard a traditional custom if they do not understand what purpose it serves, considering it antiquated and possibly useless, while those at the bottom would tend to keep the custom considering it time-tested, and probably useful. Cornell arranged American liberalism, socialism, and communism in the upper right-hand quadrant of the high state control and high rationalism. Conservatism, fascism, and Nazism are placed in the lower right-hand quadrant of the high state control and low rationalism. Classic anarchists are in the lower left-hand corner of low state control and low rationalism. Libertarians, including anarcho-capitalists, and objectivists are placed in the upper left-hand corner of low state control and high rationalism. Each diagonal axis contains natural political allies. This chart is pictured as a square with intersecting axes. So as you can see, there are lots of different charts and everybody's got their take on the political spectrum with different axes usually labeled social and economic. And now we're gonna get into terms, political terms. Well, there are lots of different terms. There's economic liberalism, there's conservatism. What is conservatism? The inclination, especially in politics, to maintain the existing or traditional order. So when we talk about isms, it's considered a philosophy or a school of thought. Also, conservatism is listed here as a political philosophy or attitude that emphasizes respect for traditional institutions 
and opposes the attempt to achieve social change through legislation or publicly funded programs. But you have to understand in these two definitions, they labeled this traditional. But traditionalism is a different school of thought. What is authoritarianism? Blind submission to authority. What is libertarianism? A political philosophy that takes individual liberty to be the primary political value. What is republicanism? What is the definition of republicanism? Republicanism refers to the ideology embraced by members of a republic which is a form of representational government in which the leaders are elected for a specific period by a preponderance of the citizenry, and laws are passed by these leaders for the benefit of the entire republic, rather than select members of a ruling class or aristocracy. Well, a republic doesn't have to have elections. That's a democratic republic. What is democracy? Democratism, the theory, system, or principles of democracy. Democracy is the use of the ballot to make decisions. What is traditionalism? Adherence to tradition, especially in cultural or religious practice. What is progressivism? In the United States, political and social reform movement that brought changes to American politics and government during the first decades of the 20th century and continues to this day. What is individualism? Belief in the primary importance of the individual in the virtues of self-reliance and personal independence. What is socialism? Any of various theories or systems of social organization in which the means of producing and distributing goods is owned collectively or by a centralized government that often plans and controls the economy. Socialism is the opposite of individualism. Socialism versus individualism, what's the difference? Socialism is a deference to the all or the group. Individualism is the deference to the individual. So all these terms get convoluted over time. Why? Let's look at the political spectrum from its origins. Let's look at some of the terms, authoritarianism, which is pretty straightforward, and liberalism, that's a little more complicated. But originally, liberalism meant freedom from authoritarianism. Other terms, like socialism, came later. But originally, the political spectrum was vertically integrated. The vertical axis today is known as the social axis. Now, this axis, the vertically integrated axis, originally was based on social class. The political spectrum was based on social hierarchy. During the time of monarchism, the authority was the king or the queen, and their rule was totalitarian. Totalitarianism, form of government that theoretically permits no individual freedom and that seeks to subordinate all aspects of individual life to the authority of the state. So the social hierarchy at the time began with the monarch, then the nobles, and then the aristocracy. After that came the merchant class, which include banks, then tradesmen like blacksmith, and then the peasantry. All the political power was held by the monarch and the nobles. And after the merchant class amassed great wealth, they challenged the monarch. The aristocracy and some of the merchant class stayed loyal to the crown. They were known as loyalists, later to be known as Tories, and then eventually as conservatives. But for this demonstration, we will refer to the loyalists as Tories. As a side note, although the king and the queen held absolute power, they were still governed by the power of the church and by the divine right to rule, also known as theocracy. 
But for this exercise, we'll concentrate on the monarch. So the political power that was held by the king and his nobles and were supported by the loyalists or the Tories were challenged by the rest of the merchant class which enlisted the tradesmen and the peasantry, and they were known as liberals. They wanted more political freedom from the monarchy. So the monarch, the nobles, and the Tories held all the political power. And the liberals of the merchant class and the tradesmen and the enlisted peasantry fought the revolution against the crown. So the revolution was between the monarch, its loyalists, and the liberals, aided by the peasantry, in a war for political power. This is the way the vertical integration of the first political spectrum occurred. This is the beginning of the social axis of the modern political spectrum, where any rule by the peasantry was considered anarchy. Conversely, the rule of the monarch was considered totalitarian, and the rule by its loyalists was considered authoritarian. Here we see how the social axis of the modern political spectrum takes shape where the loyalists and the authoritarians, later called conservatives, because of their traditionalist values, and the liberals are known as progressives for their progressive values. Progressive values were also known as radical, and the conservative values were often reactionary. Conservative values also incorporated conserving the wealth of the crown. And after the French Revolution, economics became an issue for the new liberal progressive radicals who challenged the power and authority of the crown. This gave birth to the economic axis. And the arguments between the liberals and the loyalists became more concerned with not just laws governing the people, but with the finances of the government. Would the money be retained by the government of the republic or the crown, or should money be spent on the governed? So in the new French Republic, the liberals began to argue not just for legislation that benefited the governed socially, but also legislation that benefited the governed economically. Loyalists and Tories opposed this and became the conservative wing. Hence, socialism was born in theory, as was individualism born out of the liberal opposition to tax collection. The advent of Marxism in the 19th and 20th century, libertarianism replaced liberalism as the opposition to the authoritarian and totalitarian state. The economic axes became a divide on taxes, while extreme socialism wanted 100% tax and extreme individualism wanted zero tax. When the social axis became a divide on how much the citizen is governed, 100% in a totalitarian state and 0% in an anarchic state. So the argument becomes, how do you collect taxes on the left? Well, in an authoritarian state where you have communism, it is obvious that the authorities use force to collect taxes. So in a right-wing authoritarian state, although they may use force to collect limited taxes, 
They also employ individual responsibility schemes like debt slavery, indentured servitude, conscription, and required voting. Now, in a less authoritarian state of libertarian socialism, citizens comply voluntarily with what is known as cooperativism. Similarly, on the right, people comply voluntarily with a universal understanding of commerce known as capitalism. Other loose forms of government include anarcho-syndicalism, which orients a very limited government around occupation guilds. Another very limited governing structure is anarcho-capitalism, which again revolves around commerce. Back to the authoritarian side of individualism, we find individual rules such as monarchism or despotism, although one person rule is very rare. Governing bodies are exactly that, governing bodies, and a ruler is often surrounded by people that help them rule. A military junta, for example, is surrounded by generals and other military staff that help the despot rule. Now, on the socialism side of authoritarianism, we have what is known as councilism, which are ruling groups like the Communist Supreme Soviet, but also unelected bodies like star chambers and other politburos. So in the United States, where does republicanism and democratism fit in? Well, first, let's look at democracy. Democracy is a process. It gives the individual political agency by allowing the individual to cast a ballot. However, the individual's political will will be short-lived if he is overruled by the majority. So in the United States Constitutional Republic, some individual rights are enshrined in the Constitution, which makes it difficult for the majority to overrule what are known as inalienable rights. This is why republicanism, as it stands today, is known to be on the right of the political spectrum, and democratism as known as being on the left, because democratism is majority rule, and republicanism represents the rights of the individual. Socialism is a deference to the group. Individualism is deference to the individual citizen. You don't have to believe in one or the other. You can believe in both. And most people do. That's why they're considered centrists. People believe in some situations the individual has precedent and in other situations the group will take precedent. Conversely, and some people believe in more authority, more laws, more regulation, and some people believe in more liberty, more freedom.